Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. This is going to be a very interesting show for many of our listeners. I got a call from an agency and she said, I was referred to Adoption Now by um, somebody from Focus on the Family, and she said, I have an adoption story for you. And I said, that is so great. And she said, yeah, embryo adoption. And I said, huh? What? What is that? And so she went on to explain what embryo adoption was. And so today our show is about embryo adoption and about having a baby through adopting embryos. Um, We talked for about an hour, and she told me about how couples do IVF, and many times they have leftover embryos that they freeze or they decide not to use. So if we believe that life begins at conception, can we just discard them? What do we do with these embryos? So an adoption program called Snowflakes was set up to have IVF families donate embryos to another family. Those embryos are placed into the recipient's uterus, and the resulting child is considered the child of the woman who carries and gives birth to the child. It's not the child of the donor. So this is going to blow your mind. This whole show is going to be very exciting, and I'm very honored to have Marty and Elizabeth come on the show and tell their story. They have a child through embryo adoption. Thank you so much for being here. Thank Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about your journey. Where did it start and why did you decide to even go this route? Well, um, thanks for having us. We're, we have one biological daughter. She's five. And uh, I was, got pregnant with her when I was 38 and had her when I was 39. Uh, and that was a smooth pregnancy. Everything was great. And then by the time that she was two, we decided we wanted to expand our family and have another child. So that put me at age 41, and uh, we knew pretty much right away that we had some problems. And it was related to my age and egg quality, egg quantity. And um, so we, we really wanted to have another child, and I had this undying need to be pregnant again. The first pregnancy was so smooth, and, and um, you know, I just, you know, the nursing and, and all of that, I enjoyed all of that. So... I had this desire to be pregnant again, so we started exploring some options on how we could expand our family, even to the point of, of adopting a child that was already born. We weren't ignoring that or anything, right. but this door seemed to open up. We got in touch with nightlight, snowflakes, and this door seemed to open up and just, you know, we just started venturing through, and one step led to the next, to the next, to the next, and, you know, everything was... Uh, It was no looking back once we started down this journey of embryo adoption. So let's talk about how you start that journey. Once you make the decision that we think we're going to pursue this, do you do a home study? How do you get matched? As Elizabeth said, I think our our initial, the initial process was just kind of understanding, you know, what's available out there to those who want to seek adoption and and uh, look at those sort of opportunities. And so we looked at domestic as well as international. Um, and the, the process for all of those, whether it was embryo adoption, domestic adoption, uh, or international adoption, seemed to be fairly consistent in that there's a home study associated with it. And so you go through this process of, uh, there was, what, three? I think there were three, three home studies. Yeah, three home studies, uh, a background check, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 
um, fingerprinting, fingerprinting, and so three times they came to your house. You mean three yeah. different? Okay, mm-hmm. to complete the home study. So it's very similar to yes, um, if you are adopting a, an already born child. Yes. Okay, and so they're probably asking you all the same questions. And Nightlight is also an adoption agency um, through birth parents as well. So they right. you, do they use the same social workers? They're totally different. I think you know they're the same because the lady who came to our house this was it was the first. Um, embryo adoption home study that she'd done and she had been in the business of doing home studies on families that had adopted babies or children you know after birth so yeah they it's the same social workers and so why are they gathering this information does the state require it I think the state did require it and it was a requirement for the state now mm-hmm. the, the process associated with embryo adoption isn't quite as rigorous as, say, an international or domestic adoption in terms of the home study. You know, you still have to, you have to go through some classes. You have to take uh, some some educational classes. I think we needed to read some books and yeah, and books. familiarize ourselves with, you know, how do you communicate to a child? Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. right. So it's not as as rigorous maybe as uh, parenting classes, but more of right. understanding this process and what does this look like for the future yes. for your child. Right. Okay, that makes sense to me. Are they gathering information so that they can give it also to the donating family? What does the donating family want to know? Anything? Well, through uh, the process on, uh, with Snowflakes, we did a profile, wrote a profile on okay. ourselves. And they're interested in what our profile says, um, what our interests are, our backgrounds, and things like that. I don't know that the donating family had um, the home study results. I'm, I'm not sure of that. I'm thinking that they did not have that. But um, they definitely were interested in our our profile that we wrote on ourselves, our which which contained questions of our style of parenting, what our interests are, what our faith is about things like that okay yeah I would like to say that this program has been around they're about to have their the first child is about to turn 18 so this has been going on for quite some time in my research um, I saw that President Bush was a big supporter um, they invited a ton of families that had snowflake children and he just commended the families because he said we're giving these embryos a chance at life and um, instead of discarding them, throwing them away, um, or donating them to science, right. you are now um, creating life. And so I, I just find the whole process to be so interesting as I was researching it. And as an adoptive mother, it's an interesting option because I know what it's like to go through dealing with a birth mother, um, waiting at the hospital, and you don't know if you're taking that baby home, paying a ton of money, losing money because the birth mother changed her mind. I mean, all those things are so similar to what you went through, except once that paperwork is done, those embryos are your embryos. That baby is your baby. Right. That is the most wonderful thing in the world to me, to think that you can carry this child and through adoption um, have no fear. Right. Yeah, there's certainly a peace of mind associated with it. Yeah. And, and and I think Elizabeth's desire to to be able to carry another child and, and give birth to another child kind of, uh, that was an added benefit to, to the whole process. And, and when we first entered into this process, you know, our, our, our initial thoughts were, okay, we're going to see what's available to us. Right. And uh, we were looking at international and uh, domestic adoption, and we heard about embryo adoption. 
And so uh, as we started to learn more and more about it, you know, it, it became very appealing to us. And so that was kind of the, the process that we took. And it was, you know, the, although the processes are very similar uh, for, for those types of adoptions, uh, this one seemed to cater more to what we wanted. Yeah. Right. Maybe you're listening right now and you are in that place where you are kind of visiting a lot of different options. Um, I would just love for you to listen to the story because at first it can seem like, wait a second, I don't know. That seems so strange. I'm sure that people said that to you as you're going through this process. When you really listen to what Snowflake does and how they they really um, care about both sides of the family, they really want this baby to um, just fulfill that need for you and also give an embryo life. I just think that it's a miracle, really. Yeah. Let's talk about how your family received it. Did you tell them right away? Oh, yes. Our family was with us on this journey from the beginning or near the beginning. So everyone's it was accepting. We didn't have any pushback from family members. I mean, they, they were all cheering in our corner for us. So, you know, it's all a good story there. Good news. Yeah, I think, you know, our immediate family obviously supported the decision and, and uh, they were with us throughout the journey. And then, of course, we had an extended family, which is our church family. And uh, they were a big part of the process, too. And we had people praying for us. And so it was uh, it was it was nice to know that we had people out there to support us and pray for us. And as we go through this process, because there are, you know, it, there are a lot of conflicting opinions. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're, you're, I guess, doing the right thing and, right. and that uh, you're, you're making the right decision. And, and for us, it was, I don't think there was ever any doubt that uh, uh, this was right for us. Okay, so you finish your home study, you get all of that done, and you're ready to be matched. How do they do that? They try to get families matched based on interest, have similar interests, backgrounds, styles. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be an exact match. In fact, the donating family that we were matched with, we don't have every single thing in common, I don't think, with them, but there was enough there that the, the agency thought, well, maybe we could match these families up. And so uh, Nightlight or the Snowflakes program, they introduced us to the family, and they're in California, um, and that family read our profile, they liked what they saw, they considered us, they got back to Snowflakes and said, yes, we like this family, we're good to go. And so then Nightlight came to us and said, introduced um, us to them, and then we read their profile and got introduced. And then if it's, you know, a match on both sides, or both sides like what they see in the other family, then they call that a match. If there's Either either side can say eh, red flag or don't you know this kind of bothers me or something or whatever and uh, and then it wouldn't be a match. So it's not as if you're assigned to somebody and you don't you get no say. Each family it's okay. agreement among sides. And there's no compensation for the donating family. Well, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. And how much do they are they involved? Did you meet face to face? We've not met face-to-face with them. Okay, so they saw your profile. They kind of looked. You guys agreed this was a good match. And then what? So we go through. There's a contract phase after we we meet. There's a contract phase where you um, are signing an agreement with Nightlight. And then there's a separate contract phase where you're doing your agreement with the family on how involved you want want to be with that family. 
Uh, how often are you going to exchange letters? Are, do you, do, does any side need to meet face-to-face? That kind of thing. And you work on that. At the same time, I'm constantly working with my doctor on all of this. So the Right. You know, the, all the fertility doctor and and all of that. So um, then we had the embryos shipped to Colorado from California and they were sent straight to the doctor's office. And that's where I started my preparations on the medical side. OK, so I was also reading that a donating family has given birth from these embryos um, because this family has done IVF. So they've given birth to either one or two children. They've Most of them have had a successful pregnancy, and then they just decide, as a family, we just don't want any more children. And so you're shaking your head, yes. Yeah. So I would assume mm-hmm. that that happened in this case. Do they have other children? They do, absolutely. Uh, they have uh, a daughter, very similar story to ours, in that they have a daughter that it was, uh, they were able to genetically have and then decided that they wanted to have another child and so they went through the process of in vitro uh, with a donating egg donor uh, and the result of that was these uh, embryos and so there was a successful pregnancy associated with that where they had another another daughter and then uh, from there I think they I believe they stopped and I'm not sure why but uh, yeah so I think it's important to note that Um, as Marty was saying, that this family, we have a lot in common with them and the fact that they started their family late. And so their first daughter is biologically born or biologically theirs. And and then the second child came by way of IVF. And they were older. She was 42, I think, at that time. And at that point, they stopped after their second. That daughter that's from the embryos where our Marley's from, um, is now 17 or 18. I think she's just turned 18. So Wait a second. So these embryos were essentially 18 years old? Yes. That's right. Marley was frozen for nearly 18 years. As an embryo. Yes. Okay, I just need to give the listeners time to really absorb that. So 18 years ago, I mean, just think about what you were doing 18 years ago oh. while she was conceived. Yes. And then waiting... I mean, that is just amazing. I have chills now just thinking about it. When she was created and waiting for us, um, Marty and I hadn't even met. I didn't even realize I wanted children at that time. And I, you know, I was doing the single life. I was doing my career and, you know, and not even thinking about any of this. And we firmly believe that, God has the perfect plan always, and um, he, he knows what he's doing. He saved Marley for us. We, I'm a strong believer of that. We both we talk about that at length. Were you nervous? And I absolutely give credit to that. That's just so amazing. Were you nervous at first when you heard that they had been there for 18 years, that maybe they were, it, it wasn't going to work? For me, I did not feel that way at all because um, we'd been in consultation with our doctor, our doctor gave us some parameters on, um, you know, she didn't really care how long they were frozen. It's more of the quality and the method that they used to freeze. Okay. Um, and so she didn't really care about that. She was mostly concerned about the age of the female side. So in our case, that woman was 24 years old, so plenty young. Okay. Even 18 years ago, um, the way that they froze the embryos is the same as today? I think that that's different. They've... It's, it's a different process, and I don't know the details behind that since we didn't 
do that. Because you said your doctor was concerned about how they froze. So however it must have been, she must have been okay with that. Yes. Yeah, they were okay with that. And, and the method that they used then is different than the way they're freezing embryos now. But the way they were doing it then was the standard protocol and, and how, they, how they freeze the embryos. I, I, I think at the time, I think, and I think what Elizabeth's trying to allude to is at the time that these embryos were frozen, I guess the facility that was doing that was kind of on the leading edge okay. of medical technology and freezing embryos and preserving them for future use. Although I think medicine's probably come a long way over the years and the process has changed somewhat, our doctor... Uh, felt very comfortable with the process that this previous medical facility had used. And so there was never really, I think, any concern associated with the quality of the embryos and how they were frozen and preserved. Okay. I, I feel like if I was there and they said, oh, it's 18 years ago, I might say, can we just get some newer ones? Yeah, sure. I'm not sure. But it sounds like the doctors were all on board. Everybody knew what they were doing. How many eggs did they donate? I mean, embryos. Uh, seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. So they were FedEx to you, and then you go in and you get prepared? Yes. And they implant right away? So there's some medical preparations leading up in the weeks prior. So I'm, um, weeks prior, I'm, I'm taking some medicines, I'm doing some injections and things like that to prepare my body. Okay. And, um, and then the doctor is doing their preparation on, on the embryos, thawing some, seeing which ones survive. Uh, I think... We lost three, two or three, as far as not surviving the, the thaw. And um, so we, morning of, I was nervous, 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 just, you know. Right. The Were, whole thing. What about you, Marty? How did you feel? I, I was certainly nervous, uh, and, and I was very nervous for Elizabeth. And, you know, I, I think going through this process, and, and I think the thing to, to keep in mind is that this process for us at this point is what two years? Yes. This is it. We're at the two-year point of trying okay. to have another child. So we've already been through the the process of seeing an infertility doctor mm -hmm. um, and the shots and 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 all the the treatments associated with that and trying to have our our own child. Uh, and so leading up to this, um, I was nervous, and right. I think. I think for us, um, but it was kind of surreal because you're, you know, here you're sitting in a doctor's office and you're going, okay, we're, we're going to have a child and it's somewhat unconventional. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Cause you really so, don't know what yeah. to expect. You're right. nervous cause you don't right. want your wife to go through any more disappointment. Right. And you're nervous cause you're like, we don't know what this is. I mean, this is so new and, and not very many people could come to you and say, oh yeah, been there, done right. this, you know? And so it's just whole new territory for you. Yeah. And so that morning, I mean, tell me what happens next. Uh, so that morning, we went to the doctor, and of course, she's um, they're backed up on some of their appointments, and I, I don't know why. So you know, we're already nervous. Now we're waiting in the lobby, even or the waiting area, even longer than we anticipated. So when we get back, you know, she does all the preparations, and and her and the and the embryologist are talking back and forth on which embryo they want to transfer. Now, we did only transfer one, and we can get oh, into really? that in a second. Yes, um, as opposed to two or, or more. I remember just sitting there going, wow, we have a putting every faith 
every amount of faith that we have in our body into the, into our doctor to help us out. So I, I started praying for her right there and um, just silently thinking that, you know, she's, you know, just select the embryo that's going to bring life and it's going to transfer and not bring miscarriage and all of these things. And so they did choose to just transfer one based on the quality of the embryo. And um, because I was in good health, the doctor felt very confident. She gave us all the confidence in the world that transferring one embryo would would be good, as mm-hmm. opposed to two where right. you risk miscarriage of one or both or twins. And we didn't really... Weren't prepared for twins. We weren't prepared for twins, that's, that's for sure. And I really did not want to deal with miscarriage and, you know, starting the, the process over and going through all of that that miscarriage comes with. So um, we transferred the one, and um, we have Marley. That's amazing. We have to take a break. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670kltt.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Marty and Elizabeth, who had a baby through embryo adoption. This has been a very interesting interview. Uh, I just think that as we're trying to talk about it, it's like terminology is so different. I mean, you don't even talk about birth parents because you are the birth parents. Mm-hmm. So you change that, and you call them genetic parents or um, biological parents. Mm-hmm. And so it's a form of adoption, but at the same time, you get to carry the baby, which mm-hmm. is why you chose this this journey. And so in the story, you're now there. You're, they've shipped these um, embryos, and they have. Uh, you've been a recipient of them. Mm-hmm. Now what? How long do you wait before you find out if it works? It was two weeks before we had an official pregnancy test through blood work. Um, they ask you not to take a home pregnancy test, I think. And I didn't. I followed those rules. But yeah. but I think you kind of felt it right away. I, yes. I remember that you mentioned that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that. Yes. I had the same symptoms as I had when I was pregnant with our biological daughter, which was a backache for me. And it started okay. within a few hours after transfer when the embryo was implanting in the uterus. Really? A yeah. few hours? You knew? Yeah, because the embryo was already created and you and you bypassed all of the um you know traveling down the fallopian tubes and all that stuff yes and so when they transfer the embryo it's implanting quickly it's right there this is so such a miracle because number one with regular adoption so i asked all these questions to kimberly who is uh the social worker I mean, I was just, it was an hour of me pelting her with questions because <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And there are so many things to learn about it. And one of the things is that she said it was roughly between twelve and 15,000, you guys had said, um, on their end. And 
Really, that's so much cheaper than adoption. I mean, you're looking at infant adoption starts at about twenty, twenty-five. Yeah. Really, I mean, we've paid all the way up to forty-five thousand. So to think that you could carry a baby, have it be an adoption, and only pay up to mm-hmm. fifteen thousand. Now that's if the first round takes. And for you guys, it did. It that's was right. one embryo. It took. Now you're pregnant. I mean, do they notify the other family? Yes, they. Um, as soon as I notified Nightlight, Nightlight then notified the other family, and same with when Marley was born. Same process. Um, the donating family was in the loop from the beginning. And how much are they in the loop now? We sent them an email just Thanksgiving week, um, just letting them know how things were going. So Marley's six months old now, and the email that I sent to them on Thanksgiving week was probably the third or fourth one I'd sent since birth. And um, I should say we'd sent. We send them. It's just coming from my email. But um, anyway, so they've been in the loop from the beginning, from the time we matched all the way to now, as recently as last week. And is that required? Do they want to know or you just want to tell them? I mean, because the reason why I ask is because open adoption in Colorado, uh, we have as adoptive parents, we don't have a choice. The The birth parents have the right to open adoption. And you discussed that before. It's in your contract of what that looks like. Are you coming to birthday parties or am I just sending pictures? I mean, are we, we never co-parent, but sometimes it feels like you're kind of sharing um, stories together. And so it is a huge spectrum, but you decide that prior. Now, is it the same? I think it's a very similar process in that, you know, you kind of determine how much communication you're going to have with the donating family. Mm -hmm. Uh, and some of that's discussed up front. So some of it is just as, uh, as you feel necessary to communicate back. And so Mm -hmm. throughout the process, you know, we've, we've been pretty open with, yeah. this family and sharing information and just, you know, we're, we're so grateful for what they've uh, allowed to happen that we, we feel like, you know, we, you don't feel threatened. No, not no, all. not at all. Yeah. Our written agreement with them is that we would exchange pictures and letters minimum once a year. And that if the children, so their 18 year old daughter and Marley now six months, if they ever want to meet up later in life or talk on the phone or whatever, we would guide that pathway. That's the written agreement of the minimum. And we've already exceeded that by way of they sent us a card. We've sent them pictures and, and emails and updates and things like that. Do the siblings look alike? It's hard to tell. Because uh, you both, haven't seen a baby picture of right. well, the other we, one. We, we have a nine-month picture or a picture of uh, their daughter when she was nine months old. And I think there's some similarities. They both have blonde hair and blue eyes. So that's very similar. If you're just tuning in, uh, the baby that they have is six months, but the older sibling is almost 18. So there's this difference, um, but they are biological sisters. And I wonder what the biological sister feels like. Oh, my goodness, I have this. Or do you think they told her? Yes, she knows. Yeah, they definitely know their whole family. They've shared it. With their whole family, yeah, and so their family was part of it. The process of giving up the embryos and matching with a family—all of that was a family decision. Okay, so this is a question I'm sure a lot of people ask, and a lot of people ask me when I kind of share the whole snowflake process: is can they change their mind? You give birth, and all of a sudden they say, "Oh, wait, we want that baby." Can you're just a surrogate? 
could they come after you and well, get the baby? The contract definitely says this is not a surrogacy. So um, I would think that, that we would um, be protected that way. We asked Nightlight over and over again about potential for a family to come back. This was before we were matched. A family to come back and say that we did not, you know, we changed our mind, we don't want to do this or whatever. And Nightlight was up front and told me that that has never happened even once. Never. Um, so I have full confidence that it won't come into play. I mean, right. we, I mean we have a contract with right. them that says that these embryos are ours. Yeah. And, and I think as, as far as the state of Obviously, the state of Colorado is concerned. Uh, Elizabeth and my name are both on the birth certificate, and so we're we're listed as the birth parents for right. for Marlin. I don't think that there's any issue associated with somebody trying to come back. And... I just think about all the things that uh, adoptive parents go through, even in the hospital, when even when mom signs over, and you are the mom. Sometimes the hospital treats you poorly because. They're confused. A lot of people don't have, uh, hospitals don't always have protocol for how to treat an uh, adoptive mom, and they kind of have to switch it around and are okay. And, and it's confusing, and it can be very difficult. Who gets to hold the baby? Who should be, you know, who's in the room? I mean, all those things. And all of that is completely eliminated. Right. You are the mom, and all the nurses are treating you like the mom. And, I mean, that just, to some people listening to that, this would be such an answer for them. Yes. What would you say to a family that's considering, I, I, we just don't know which way to go, and we're considering this as an option? I would say that, you know, give embryo adoption a, a look. If, if the family is interested in experiencing pregnancy, uh, being the overseer of all the prenatal care, and um, if, if nursing is a big deal, all of those things can happen. With through embryo adoption, and um, you know, and you're bringing a child life that's been waiting, and and I know that there are a lot of children waiting, so we're we're not closed off to anyone who chooses another route to expand their family. But this door just opened for us in a mighty way that I can't even explain. Where um, once we ventured through it, there was really there were no other options for us. So I would just, you know, encourage people to give it a look. And when things get difficult, just stay the course and, and keep plugging away. And, you know, we rewrote and rewrote and rewrote again our profile just, to, you know, to make it, make sure we brought out everything in us that we wanted to share with the family. And, you know, and sometimes all the, the paperwork, it's bog, you get bogged down in it. You can at least feel like that. And uh, I would just say, you know, just keep, keep on it and you know, keep, breathing life into the dream of expanding your family and, and, uh, you know, you get there. Do you have to pay everything up front? It was kind of staggered. A little staggered. There was pieces, you know, that you, you paid a certain amount up front for, I think the home study. And then there was a background check. There were costs associated with that. Uh, and then the, uh, once you're, once you're matched with a family and embryos, then there's the, transfer those embryos from one location to another there's a fee associated with that and then of course all the you know some of the medical associated with that throughout that process kind of trickles in so i mean you know it 12 to 15 thousand dollars is you know it's certainly not a, a one-time fee up right. front it's you know we're we're covered um it, it was pieces here and there so 
in, in terms of overall cost, it wasn't that bad. Is your agency involved now after that you're pregnant and you're, you know, you're ready to go, everything worked, success, and then what? As soon as Marley was born, we let the agency know. Genetic family was, was notified too. And then uh, we received some paperwork from Nightlight that we need to provide a report at three months, six months, nine, and I think 12 of just answering questions on on paper what is the child doing what do they what do they look like what are their physical features are they picking up toys what do they like to do what are their you know are they what are they eating things like that and um and so they want to report with a couple of pictures every third month okay the but they're year. not at your house no no you don't have to do post placement we did do a post-placement interview with the social worker, the same one from before, but we did that through uh, FaceTime. She didn't come, necessarily come to come, okay. need to come to the house. So everything that they really do is really for them because Colorado at this point um, and most states don't require uh, home studies. They don't need, they don't have, you don't have to be having social workers watch you. You don't have to. So I'm just saying all this because as an adoptive parent, if you're considering uh, domestic adoption, you're going to have social workers in your house a lot. And even when you bring the baby home, they have to do, I think, up to two or three post placements where they come and they make sure that you are um, taking care of the baby and the baby's doing well and is the baby attaching. And there's just so many things that you're going to have to answer to. And that can be really hard as a new mom. I just remember when I had, uh, when we adopted our first baby, I was a brand new mom. And then she's like, what are you feeding her? And I remember saying, apricots. And she's like, why? Why would you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. It was a baby food. <laughs> um, and so everything. How many times are you bathing him? How many? You just have to give an account. And it feels exhausting. It can at first. I mean, we've had several after. And so we just got so used to it. But you guys didn't have to do that. I mean, the state really looks at it as this is your baby. You are you carried this baby. This child belongs to you. Right. We're not looking for anyone else. We're not seeing if you're legitimate. We are, you know, it's the same as if you had really, this is your biological daughter. Right. That's correct. It just seems like so much less stress. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's not the state overseer um, that would be the case in the situation you just explained. It's, it's more, and Nightlight wants to make sure that um, the baby is bonding with the family, that other family members are bonding with the baby, or how is that looking like, things like that. They're, they're interested in that up to the first year. Now, beyond that, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I know that we did get paperwork. They want, a, they want a general report every third month. And she was completely healthy. Mm -hmm. How much did she weigh? <laughs> she was big. She's uh, it's nine pounds nine ounces, um, twenty one and a half inches long. So she was very healthy. And you carried her full term. Yes. Oh yes. my goodness. In fact, um, the doctor didn't want me to go past my due date, so I ended up having a scheduled C-section two days before the due date, which was a Friday, because I couldn't wait to the following Monday. She didn't want me to go past the date, so my due date was on a Sunday, I think. But anyway, yes, I carried her full term. And she was born in June. Yes, June third. And what was that day like? It was, uh, I, you know, we went in for a scheduled C-section, you know, so, hey, we're going to have a baby. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with, with our first daughter, it was a little, we, she was also uh, C-section, so, but it, it seemed like it was a whirlwind. Not because, scheduled. Yeah, it was not scheduled. So this was a scheduled C-section. We went in for 
uh, to have Marley. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, okay, it was, it was very similar to like the, the transfer, you know, there's, there's all this, uh, I think waiting for the moment and then, then the moment comes and you're there and it's like, wow, this is happening and out pops Marley. And, and so she's there and, you know, we got to go through the process of, uh, cutting the umbilical cord and, and just being part of that whole process. And it was nice. It was. After you found out you were pregnant and then through the pregnancy, did you kind of forget? I mean, did you forget like it just is your baby? I did actually. It's it's a good, good question. Um, I did. It felt like it was in the back of my mind, all of the preparatory work leading up to, you know, all the home study, the fingerprinting, all that was, you know, a foregone thought. And, and, um, we didn't forget about the, the family who helped us achieve this dream, but it was more of just natural. Yeah. Natural. natural. You know, this is our baby. And, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. know how to say it. We're, we're in the moment. Right. Right. And, and, you know, we're, we're giving obviously praise and, and honor to God for it because, uh, without him, we wouldn't have been able to make this happen. It's amazing just because we can really say, well, science is doing this and science is doing that, but God is giving life. Exactly. And one of the things I liked when I said to Kimberly, the social worker, um, you know, it is another person's DNA, but it's your blood giving that child life and it's God's hand giving life. And she talked a little bit about just the miracle of when you put your blood into um, someone else's DNA and, and this child grows, they actually grow. They said that they're doing studies now that the child is actually a lot like you, mm-hmm. that they get some of that from um, just because they're they're feeding off your body. I mean, they're becoming a, a baby through you. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times in adoption, and I am not downplaying adoption. We adopted all of our children. Our children are very attached. We adore them and we forget. And our kids are African-American and Colombian. And we forget when people come up to us that they are our adopted children. We've had them since birth and they, you know, they act like us anyways. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just think that this is so will be so interesting to so many families because that is a part that so many women have to grieve is I don't get to feel a baby inside of me. I don't get to um, experience birth. I don't get to nurse. I don't get to do these things that um, I was naturally created to do. And now you can, there is an opportunity and this could be a great solution to infertility. And I would just say that, and I can't as adoption now, we don't really promote other agencies, um, but you guys can. And so how can people find out more information? Uh, you can go to it's nightlight.org, I believe. And they've got a snowflakes page there. And at, at the present time, Marley's picture is on the page there. Oh, and so, yeah, and there's a phone number there where you can call and get more information. They have an office in Colorado. They have an office in California, uh, but work with families nationwide. So, yeah, I would encourage anyone that's remotely interested just to call and get more information. And I, I would like to also say that the embryos that are available through families that are not planning to use their embryos anymore and are working with Nightlight to get matched with a family to give those embryos life not all of them have been frozen for as long as Marley was. Some of them have been frozen for much less time, if that's a concern for people. So it didn't take, it didn't take Marley 18 years to get matched. Um, it just it took that long for us to get introduced to her, I guess is the word to say. Um, 
it all depends on the story behind the family that's donating them. Um, maybe they've held on to them a, a longer time trying to decide what to do, or maybe they knew right away that they're not going to use the embryos any longer, so they turned them, not turned them over to Nightlight, but, I mean, they, they started working with Nightlight to get mashed with a family, and some of them may have been frozen for just, you know, a short time. So, And maybe you're a family who has embryos and you don't want any more children. It'd be a great um, way for you to reach out and kind of find out more information if you didn't want to just discard them. I know a lot of families have a hard time with that. And I think you're a perfect example of not being afraid if the embryo is 18 years old. I mean, that was that's the most amazing part. You need to write a book <laughs> because that's just amazing when she told me, oh, yeah, 18 years has been frozen. I'm like, that's even possible? But it is. So you don't have to be afraid at how, how long they've been frozen. Your doctor will know what to do. And it sounds like Nightlight and Snowflakes helped you all through the process. That's and correct. so. You know, you your family's complete, and I'm sure your older daughter is thrilled to have a baby sister. Yes. So she made her dreams come true as well. She'd been asking for, well, particularly a baby sister for quite a while. And so she'd been waiting a long time for Marley. She's a great, she's a good big sister. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you coming here and love your story. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. I am going to put a picture of their family on Facebook. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.